A Boy's Best Friend is the Greatest Movie of All Time. Today on the podcast, Psycho. Welcome back to the greatest movie of all time podcast, the show in which I, your co-host, the handsome Rick Barrasso. And I, the ugly Derek the Rex Smith. Don't worry, you'll grow into it, Derek. Uh, I hope so. We're going to watch every single movie ever made, and we're going to help figure out which is the greatest of them all. How are you doing today, Derek? You know, Rick, it's like we just did a hard day's night. It's crazy how fast time goes. Time is crazy. It's 2021. We've lived through the apocalypse. Let's hope. Hopefully we'll start to, to come out of it soon. But time will never be the same. But anyway, speaking of last week's episode, we talked about A Hard Day's Night. That was a Rex pick. It's the Beatles' first foray into movies. And I had a great time making the episode. We talked about uh, the Beatles as a band, Derek's immense fandom. And we didn't even mention his tattoos. Uh <laughs> Talked to yeah, and it, we had a, we had a great time with it. So check that one out, or check out any of our back catalog on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. I mean, Google Podcasts, whatever app you use, we are there. Winamex, LimeWire, Napster. Exactly. We're there. We're we're in it. You know, you can also reach out to us on uh, on social media. Greatest movie of all time podcast on Facebook at Great Movie Cast on Twitter. And you can always shoot us an email at greatestmoviepod at gmail.com. We do not have a MySpace account. If you see us on MySpace, that's not us. Are we on Instagram, Rick? We're not. We should probably do that. I'll, I'll jump on that. I'm do on that. There, you so do that. I'll... You run the Instagram. I'll run the other ones. Uh, but yeah. we'd love to hear from you. Get in touch with us. We really want to talk to you about movies or whatever's on your mind, really. This week, we had a Rick's pick. And I present... Perhaps Alfred Hitchcock's most well-known movie, and that is Psycho, because frankly, it is about time we've talked about Hitchcock for a podcast called The Greatest Movie of All Time. We have been uh, derelict in our duty, I feel like, in talking about one of the uh, towering figures uh, in film in the 20th century. So uh, Psycho, it is a 1960 suspense horror classic. It's directed by the aforementioned Alfred Hitchcock. It stars Anthony Perkins as Norman Bates, Janet Leigh as Marion Crane, Vera Miles as Lila Crane. Uh, It's got an 8.5 on the Internet Movie Database, 96% on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 97% on Metacritic. And the 96% on Rotten Tomatoes just couldn't quite catch a hard day's night. Well... (laughs) <laughs> it's it's this interesting it's in, it's it, they're so different and it it's it's interesting rotten tomatoes for for those that don't know we talk about it every week but rotten tomatoes basically it's a measurement of what percentage of people like the movie not how much they like the movie mm-hmm. so if you have let's say that there's two movies with 10 reviews each if they're if one movie, nine people give it an A plus, and one person gives it an F for whatever reason, that has a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. If on the other one, 10 people give it a B minus, that is a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. So it's not a measurement necessarily how good they like the movie. Here's my question. Who are the 4% of people who don't like Psycho? What cr- movie critics? Maybe it's like too shocking back in the day. I don't know. I'd, I'd have to look more in depth into it. But it's it's interesting that this is a movie that's almost, I mean, I guess 96% of people consider it an absolute classic. Uh, and the people who like it really like it. So that's the Metacritic score, 97%. And the 8.5 on IMDb. So, you know, it's it's interesting, interesting how that works. But Derek, when did you first see this movie? Uh, I saw this, uh, I don't know, maybe about a decade ago for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, I hadn't seen it since, so I had a re- I did my rewatch. So I've only seen it twice. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't remember when or, or how I felt about it. All I, knew, all I knew was that I needed to watch it. 
because it was a classic. And actually, funny enough, a couple of years ago, Gia and I ordered some pizza. We're sitting down. We're gonna watch a movie. What do we watch? What do we watch? We I think we did like a a, a we we like did a randomized thing. We just clicked the movie and it ended up being the remake with Vince Vaughn. Oh boy. And it's like shot literally scene by scene, like the exact same way Hitchcock did it, which bothered me. It was like, what was, what's the point if you're not going to do it your, your own way? So I was like, all right, I, I guess this is the, something that, that yeah. was made and did really bad. Um, you, know, but- you know what bugs me the most about that movie, about the, the remake, other than shot for shot? One thing I'd actually like to see that I've, I've read that they've done is they've had screenings where they played both movies on top of each other. Mm-hmm. And that would be interesting to see. But yeah, that would be really cool. Vince yeah. Vaughn's like six foot seven and like yeah. a very imposing looking dude, like being that tall. Whereas I feel like Anthony Perkins is just like a very unassuming looking guy. Right, right. And it's just like totally changes it. And also they uh, edit the sound effects of him jerking off, which was, which was weird. <laughs> it's like, all right, we get it. We don't hear, have to hear. Hey, Vince. That's uh, not what I, that's, that Rose happened. Rick. Yeah, that's what. I'll put it away now. But <laughs> <laughs> if you're under 18, it's just too bad. I, I've tagged this with a mature tag. We're all adults here, probably. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, that you get that fucking jerk off sound in the fucking in the in. Ugh, it's 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 gross. I don't need to think about Vince Vaughn jerking it. Uh, maybe some people are into it though. Maybe Gus Van Zandt is in it. Is into it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Hitchhog wasn't though. But yeah, no, I um I saw this movie i was i think i was in high school i was like early in high school and i've just i've loved it every every time i saw it and it's one of my one of my favorite horror movies and it's so instantly iconic i i think i i was i actually had a there used to be a, a universal studios sort of alfred hitchcock attraction and they'd bring people into you know, from the audience in the show and be like here's a famous hitchcock scene and I had I had a family member chosen to be Norman Bates in the shower scene, and Yikes. like put the dress on and like put the wig on. And I just always heard that story over and over again. So I was like, all right, I got to see this movie. And it was like I was really young when it happened, so it was right, uh, right. yeah, it was uh, just like uh, all right, I got to track it down. I always love the movie. It's 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 quite the film here. But if you haven't seen it, let's give you the rundown on what happens, Derek. I'm going to ask you to put 30 seconds on the clock. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Derek chooses a, instead of using a stopwatch like a normal person, chooses a song to play and has me talk over 30 seconds of a song. What song are you using for Psycho? I'm doing It's the Good Life by Bobby Darren. It's you, the good life. You know, if I had 100 million guesses, I would not have arrived at that one, I don't think. So <laughs> let's get to it. Count me down. All right. Tres, dos, uno, go. Marion Crane, a secretary, steals $40,000 in 1960 money to pay her boyfriend's debts and start a life with him. She stops at Bates Motel on her way to meet him, where she meets Norman Bates and is murdered by a figure in a dress. Lila, Marion's sister, Sam, her boyfriend, and P.I. Arbogast try to find Marion. Arbogast is killed in the attempt. Turns out Norman had DID and took the identity of his mother to commit the murders. Time. 23 seconds. Okay. You know, it's it sounds a lot more simple than it than it is. Uh, I feel like, but let's get to it. That's what happens. And if you haven't seen the movie, track it down. You know, get get it's right now. You you do have to rent it on uh, on Amazon. It's not streaming free anymore, which surprised me because there's a lot of Hitchcock and a lot of um, you know a lot of streaming sites. Bastards. But, yeah, but let's uh, let's get to it. Uh, let's talk about our three favorite scenes in the movie. Derek, what's your number three scene? All right. Um, I switched back and forth here uh, for three and four. Um, so the one that made the bronze for scenes was, I really liked Marion um, driving um, to Bates Motel. Um, I liked, you know, her, her face. I liked the way the scene was shot. It's very intense. Uh, it seems like, you know, troubles, troubles are brewing. Um, I like how she gets, she, you know, she pulls over the side of the road and falls asleep. The cops, you know, see, yeah. it just looks suspicious right off the bat. Like something's going on. Um, and I like the, 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 over, the overview of like all the different voices in her head, her thought process. 
uh, all conjumbled. I thought it was a really, uh, really nice scene and it worked really well. Yeah. And, and I, I like that as well. The, the first half and the second half of this movie are radically different movies. Yes. It's, and, and she's, she's great in it. And, um, you know, Janet Lee is Jamie Lee Curtis's mother and the two, that family made like two of my favorite horror movies. So mm-hmm. it's just, it's interesting how that works. So my number three scene is the death of Arbogast. And Arbogast is, he's a detective. He's sneaking around this old, huge house uh, trying to, to find out where Marion and that uh, $40,000 is. And he's suddenly and violently stabbed. Yeah. And he, I love the way it's shot in such a way where he falls down the stairs and he doesn't tumble down the stairs. He almost floats down the he stairs. He floats down, yeah. And he's like, you can see the terror in his face. As like, I mean, we don't know. Because at this point, there's been so much back and forth about like, oh, the, the mother is you know, an invalid. Or, you know, she's sick. She can't move. And you just see, you see it. It's shot from the top. I love the shot where it's sort of the camera moves above you and is just looking down on the scene and yeah you know, the person we later find to be norman just pops out and just stabs him i'm making that noise again he's not jerking off he's stabbing somebody but yeah i just love it and it is such a stylized shot and it's it's just stuck with me for so long but what's your uh, what's your number two derek uh, so my number two actually is um very very close it's actually when bates in Arborcast, uh, they, they meet for the first time and, and, and he comes to the Bates Motel to, to do some research to find out what happened to Marion. And um, he's sort of asking these questions to Norman. And Norman's really, and I, I, sometimes I think he's intelligent and then other times I think he's not intelligent. Um, like, you know, the, the one thing that he asks him is, well, let me check the, uh, the guest book so I can see if the name's in there. And he's like, well, I don't, I don't, put na- I don't have names in there because nobody ever stops here. Yeah. And then he's like, well, let me see it. I really want to see it. And then Norman pulls it out. And I was thinking maybe Norman had it hidden too. Like, oh, I don't have a book anymore. But Norman does bring it out and he does see the name. That's like obviously a different name, but it's, a, it's really intense. And I like the way Norman's watching him closely and trying to, trying to you know, sneak his way out of the situation. It's, uh, it's pretty intense. And uh, that all obviously ends up, you know, with the detective's demise. But it's, uh, it's pretty cool to see these two actors play off each other. Yeah. and see what happens so it's a very interesting scene what i find interesting about that scene and and the, the scene later when sam and and lila show up uh is that contrasting norman's demeanor towards them after he kills marion he almost starts out the conversation like those two conversations cooler you know like he's when he, when he when he meets Marion, he's kind of like nervous and jumpy from the beginning. But he's like when he meets everybody else, he's got like his hands in his pockets and he's just acting like he got this off his chest. He's been meaning right. to murder somebody. But my uh, my number two is the discovery of Mrs. Bates' uh, mummified body and the discovery of of Norman's identity as the killer. There's so much like contradiction of what's up with Norman's mother. You know, she's, we're told she's an invalid. We've, we're told she's dead. We're told, you know, we see that she's killed multiple people. You know, we, we don't see her face, but it just makes no sense until we get what I can only imagine seeing it in 1960 was just an absolute genuine shock. And then you have. That must have been mind blowing. It, like, just having and then like instantly you're like before you can even process what you're looking at here comes norman in a dress with this crazy look on his face and when sam grabs him he gets that like i don't even know how to describe it but he just like agony in his face of being discovered just like it looks like opens his mouth yeah, and almost I wasn't sure if it was silently this, screams yeah, I wasn't sure if it was because of the discovery or if it, like, he was bending his arm back, but I was like, it doesn't look that physical, so I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't think – I think it was more of, like, a mental, like, just he's broken now. Like, he's – like, no, like they, they say in the scene, which I, I actually – yeah, we'll talk about it in a minute, where the the psychiatrist is like, he's yeah, – Norman Bates is dead, basically. And I think that is basically, like, the – 
the facade of Norman Bates dying. That is like the scream of anguish of a personality. That's how I read it. What is your number one? So my number one is sort of a run-on scene. Um, okay. So I guess it could be described as two different scenes, but it's the the uh, the dinner between Norman and Marion uh, in that back room um, with all those hovering birds and the owls and things like that. And then all the way up to him killing her in the shower um, is just iconic. For me to just kind of jump into the scene, there's so many aspects about it I can talk, you know, yeah. talk about. The camera work, um, you know, the owl that's in the back, like hovering, the odd paintings, the tone of the room in the scene, the uneasiness, um, the, the weird peephole he ends up looking through. Um, you know, Norman starts to become slightly sinister as the conversation progresses. Um, I love in the bedroom, there's like a subtle part where she's like ripping up her note and instead of throwing it in the trash, she decides to put it in the toilet. Yeah. Um, it's such just like this guilt feeling. Um, the, the murder scene itself is very stylized. Um, you know, it, it's, it's a very odd choice to kill your star halfway through a movie. Well, less than halfway well, through a movie. Yeah. I mean, uh, and, 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 yeah, it's, it, it's, it's so oh. like, it's, I mean, Scream did something kind of like that. Yeah, but that was the, that was the first, and I, I mean, it's no surprise. The shower scene is my is my number one. Yeah, uh, it just and one, one more thing about that is like when yeah. she falls, and the the close up of her eye, and it pans out to show her face just lifeless. It's it's the best shot in the movie by far, in my opinion. Uh, it's it's it kind of gave me chills up the spine the way he shot it. Yeah, and it, it's one of the the most iconic, important moments in film for for a reason. You know, you see that i mean marion if you haven't seen the movie marion for the first about half of the movie is the main character we are yeah. following her she has stolen this money she she basically like is we think this is going to be a movie about a woman on the run and then she's just killed it's not like scream where drew barrymore is killed in the first you know five ten minutes this is like 45 minutes or more into the movie right and just the the artistry of the shots there are people who saw that movie that saw that scene that think they saw you know full frontal nudity and like insertion of a knife into a woman where you see basically nothing the only yeah every time every time there's an overview of the shower it's the her breasts are blurred out um you know, or blurred out in a way where the camera's not really catching it and stuff. It's just very stylized. You're right. Yeah. And the, the only thing you see, the even like the only like pen, you don't see any penetration of a knife even. The closest thing you see to it is there's a scene that they, it's like being, it starts on her stomach. Like the only thing you see is like her belly button. and. Right you see it like pulled away like it and but it's but it's it's shot in reverse so it looks weird mm -hmm. and the music in this scene is that like the iconic like, eh, 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 which we, we played at the you know beginning i'm, I'm sure uh but the it, it's it's everything about it and then it ends and really the reason why it's number one is because you're like what the fuck now right like it's yeah totally and, and i know and i know you know what I could say about this regarding another TV show, uh, our TV show, but uh, well, might as well bring up Game of Thrones at yep, this point. Let's do it. But uh, I'm not. I'm not sure if, if George R. R. Martin got you know inspiration for this for killing off his main character in the first season of Game of Thrones. Um, it's possible, but it's 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 one of those things in the movie where I'm honestly not even sure if I like it because I kind of wanted her to, to kind of carry us through the movie um, because I personally think the first half of the movie is um, I think it's I think it's better than the second half in my opinion. Um, it's 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 more intense this, for me. Yeah, I mean, I I think the stuff, I think the stuff with Norman in the second half of the movie is great. Yeah, but once you get away from that, and it's just like Sam and and Lila being like, let's talk to the old police detect, like the police chief, and it's like that that part of it is like okay, like we could be spending more time with more interesting characters. I feel like. Yeah, and this this might be cheating because I'm I'm kind of going a little bit further. But after he's packing up her body in the trunk and. So one scene, you know, if, if I could, a continuation of the scene that we're talking about, uh, when that car sinks in the mud and he's watching it sink and it yep. stops halfway and he gets nervous and then it keeps going and he has that smirk in his face. It's so 
Just incredible. It's so great because in that moment, you have nobody to like root for. You kind like you kind of get nervous, like oh they're gonna catch him. You know they're gonna like, right, they're, right. They're, and you're like, well, I mean, you don't necessarily know it's he, he's the killer at this point. I mean, you just know he's he's like a he's a weird dude, but it's it's like, who do you have to even root for at this point? It's it's just yeah, that's, that's a great part about that scene, I think. And uh, I guess we can kind of carry that into the next part. Um, so the, is, you know, your least yeah. favorite part? Yeah. Um, I guess I'll jump into that right now okay. just because we're doing that. I have two different things. One of them is the second half of the movie, I don't really care about any of the good people. Um, I, don't, I don't really care because they just come halfway through the movie. All I really care about is, I, you know, I hope they get what they want and find the truth, but I don't have a really big connection to these people uh, like I did with Marion. So it kind of makes, makes the movie change a little bit where like, I'm like, all right, we'll just see, we'll see how it unfolds. Um, I was, and one big thing is I, I didn't like the way, and again, Hitchcock, of course, is a great actor, and he uses music very well in this movie, except for one part. And one thing I didn't really like is the scene where the guy, I, f- I forget his name, but he's like the old guy who was like, wait a minute, his mother has been dead for 10 years. Maybe it's the wife who says that. Yeah. He's been dead for 10 years. And then there's no music at that point. Being, if I was a director, I would have had music right at that moment because that is intense. It's scary. That's the reveal that something's wrong. But he waits to do the music until after the scene. And it kind of just made me wonder why he made that choice. Um, and the other thing that I thought was the worst about this movie is that I don't know why Anthony Perkins didn't also do the mother's voice. I think it would have been much more satisfying to hear him go back and forth between his, his voice and an insane woman's voice, like an old lady. I thought it would, I think it would be absolutely tremendous. I think he's capable of doing it. A lot of actors can do both, could several different voices. It just made me aggravated that it was not I his think voice doing both. That, I think that if he did the voice, you could probably have, have figured it out. Maybe. Where, maybe. I think one thing that kind of hurts this movie is watching it knowing that Norman Bates, just from cultural like osmosis, even if right. you haven't seen the movie, you know how it ends. You know you know what the yeah. reveal is. And I think a lot of the the second half of the movie is purposely trying to confuse the audience and setting up like red herrings and building this mystery of the mother. Whereas you're watching it and you already know. So this this stuff is kind of like not working. It's supposed to make no sense that, you know, you see Norman carrying his mother's body downstairs. Right. And, you know, you see the, and it's kind of the same shot as when, when Arbogast is killed, like from above. Cause, and it's actually, you know, showing you Perkins is emerging from the door like he did before. And he you should be like, is she alive? Is she dead? Can she walk? What's happening? But you already know what's happening. So I think that is knowing what happens. I hope everyone watched the movie before they listen to the podcast, by the way. Uh, but knowing <laughs> what happens kind of does hurt the movie. And I will, I will say that. I agree. With right, that. right. My least favorite part of the movie, actually, is the fucking monologue by the psychiatrist. At yeah, the end it's of the movie. Odd. Like, it's, it's like, who is this guy? He's, he comes out of nowhere, and he's just there to deliver, like, I, I mean, I guess at this point, you know, DID or multiple personality is not a common trope in movies. Right. You know, and I mean, TV's around, but it's not what it has become. So maybe people just didn't know what it was, or they were afraid they didn't know what it was. But he's very much like, let me explain in very elementary terms what this is. And, you know, it just wouldn't, okay. it wouldn't fly today. And it's also like a really terrible misunderstanding of what that affliction is. Right, so, right. So, but I, I do love the scene afterwards. It almost made my, my top three of him sitting there, like with the, the voice of his mother in his head. Yeah, it's like Norman's dead at this point. She wouldn't hurt a fly. And you see, like, there's, like, a couple frames of, like, a skull edited over his face. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just, that's a great scene. And uh, it just, it made me think of Mike Pence with a a fucking fly landing on him. Oh, yeah. So let's let's get to medals. Who do you have for bronze? Oh, boy. Um... So I really wanted to get a, get the, you know, the lead female in there. 
Yeah. Um, and it was a close one for me, but the bronze for me went to Anthony Perkins. Okay. Uh, I think he did a great job with the role. I, I liked how he was a very lighthearted. Um, his smiles, his quick talking, and he seemed like a genuine person. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, his, his, you know, demeanor changes. And when it changes, it's very abrupt. And like the, fa- the faces he makes, he just becomes and transforms to a t- totally different person. And uh, I feel like usually you can tell a character in a movie if they're kind of like, okay, this is the bad guy. You can kind of tell like, Somebody like Michael yeah. Shannon looks like he's going to kill somebody every five seconds. Yeah. Uh, that type of actor's face. But yeah, I don't know. Anthony Perkins has sort of a, almost like an innocent face, especially if, you, if you've seen the movie for the first time. You're like, oh, like, what's yeah. this movie about? Who's this guy? Well, he, was, he was known for being, like his roles before this were not villainous roles. Like he was cast right. because of that. But yeah, no, I, I agree. That's a, that's, a, that's a great choice for bronze. My bronze went to Janet Lee. Mm-hmm. And she is, I mean, one of the earliest scream queens in movies. She's the main character for the first half of the movie, like we said. And we see like a range. She goes, she's at first kind of like an ordinary secretary. And then she's kind of like a femme fatale almost. Yeah. And then she's a victim and it's all in one performance. So it's, you know, it's a, it's a really good performance by her. And just like you said, that shot of her. Yeah, sort of. I mean, the shower scene of her reaching out is is yeah. so iconic. So iconic, and, very intense. Yeah, it's super intense, and she's great, and she gets the bronze. Who's your uh, Who's your silver? My silver goes to the man himself, Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah. So he, um, he, I mean, I, I haven't seen a lot of his movies. I think this might be the only one I've seen. I'm not very Ooh, familiar with. You're movies. in for a treat as we do some more Hitchcocks. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what he does because I think he did a good job. I don't, I, and I, and again, I think he he made some mistakes for me in this movie, but that's just my opinion. I know that I'm probably wrong in a lot of people's eyes, but uh, for the most part, I think his shots were beautiful. Um, I loved that, like the bathroom scene when when uh, when Norman goes to clean up his mess and stuff, and the the, the, bed, the bathroom is so white. And it's so bright and the contrast between the different colors. And then like, you know, the room that, that's, that he has the dinner in with the sandwiches and stuff, all the birds like hovering. And stuff. It's, it's just very, it's very iconic, but it's very like sinister. Yeah. Um, and I like those choices. Uh, I would say some of the downfalls of, of Hitchcock, Hitchcock, like I, I think that the scene where we are introduced to her sister and that guy, Sam, and they're talking to some person in a store. Like, it was a very boring scene to me. They had no color whatsoever. It just felt like a placemat so that you could find out how the story progresses. And then he'd go to some really iconic shots of the car falling on the mud. So I kind of felt like really, really good scenes and then some boring ones. So I was kind of, you know, that's kind of my opinion. Do you know what that scene is to me? That scene is, and this is, this is my wrestling reference of the week. There is something in wrestling, in a wrestling card called a Let Me Up match. So when something incredible happens, you can't go right from that to the next incredible thing. You have to have a match in the middle. So WrestleMania 30, The Undertaker loses. You don't go right to the main event from that. because You go to an eight-woman tag match? Exactly. Because the the audience will need time to recover from what they just saw. Mm -hmm. That scene is important because the murder just happened. And especially in 1960, the audience would have been beside themselves. No, and I agree with that. I yeah. think it's necessary, but I just felt like it was such a bore fest that I actually, at one point, I think I looked down at my phone during the scene and I was like, what am I doing? Go back up. It just wasn't like, you know, uh, you know, it's strange. I don't know. Sure. So, so my silver goes to Anthony Perkins. And like we said, he's he's kind of known for like a goody goody type actor before this role, almost like a like a you know golly gee whiz nineteen fifties type like Leave It to Beaver guy. But at, this is, ends up being the defining role of his career, and it's one of the great like against type performances. I mean, we'll talk about it in recasting, but I don't even think there's there's somebody today who necessarily fits that that role so well it was the perfect we'll, guy we'll, we'll, we'll see we will see okay okay um so who's your who's your gold all right my gold goes to bernard herman okay who did the, the score for the yep. movie the yep. music 
And uh, I mean, the, I'm, I think I think Hitchcock is great. I think Perkins is great. I think all the cast members did a great job. The music is what makes the movie for me. Um, yep. I think that if there's any other any other music that wasn't quite as good, it may have hurt the movie. We may have not been as intense. When I put this movie on, when I clicked play, and that theme song started, I was like, "Holy shit!" Yeah. Okay, all right. And that song is like a a character of its own. That theme song, and it's yeah. um. It's heavy duty, and I read that uh, in the trivia that Hitchcock paid Bernard Herrmann like thirty-four thousand dollars, nineteen sixty, for this music, which is really a, a lot of money for those days. Every penny. Yeah, he like gave him. He like paid him double. He was going to pay him like seventeen before, but uh, it's it's worth every penny. Like you said, incredible. I think it's the best part of the movie for me. So props to him. Yeah, uh, my my gold went to Alfred Hitchcock. And it's not only because of the, the skill, which I think the movie was made, you know, obviously these scenes of suspense and we talked about it a bit in our, you know, in our Tarantino episodes that there are certain directors that only they can do what they do and nobody else, especially then could make a Hitchcock movie, not like Hitchcock could. And he, this particular movie, he fought for it to be made the way it was. He wanted it in black and white. He took a smaller salary and made the movie, made back his money in the, in the gross and ended up making out like an absolute bandit. So, I mean, he's, this is his baby. This is his, this is a passion project of his. And, you know, he just creates tension that had not been seen in movies really before, you know, and he, again, we're, we're seeing this movie with its influence on the culture, like, you know, scream in the nineties, 35 years later, even, you know, if you want to say game of Thrones, you can right. say that too. Yeah, and, and when, when a, a character is killed off early like that, it's just like, it's a scream. It's a psych, it's a psycho move. Um, so, you know, you can't really, can't really mess with it, but let's go to recasting. So Derek, who'd you, who'd you have for uh, who'd you have for your uh, recasting? How how'd you go about oh. it? Did you do did you do today? Did you do back then? What'd you do? So I didn't I didn't do back then because I'm not as familiar with actors sure. in, around 1960. But this is probably my first, I would say, top five characters that I've done before in a movie. I've actually went full throttle on this one. Okay. Uh, so I'm completely disregarding the Vince Vaughn movie, yeah, the remake there. <laughs> but uh, so I thought about this for a little bit and. Some of the choices might be odd, but I can just, while watching the movie, I was picturing other actors in the roles, and this is what I came up with. Okay. So, I'm starting from the bottom. Okay. Sam Loomis. Okay. Loomis, by the way, let's go, let's go back and forth, because I did Marion, Norman, Sam, and Lila. Did you do anybody other right. than that? I did uh, Sam and Lila, Milton, Marion, and Norman. My Sam Loomis is going to be played by Pedro Pascal. Okay. Uh, I, I was watching the, the second half of the movie and uh, Gia came home from work and she was watching a little bit with me and I was like, do you see Pedro Pascal's face in this guy's face? She's like, some angles, yeah, like without a mustache. And I said, me too. Can you picture him playing this? She's like, yeah, it's sort of like a subtle, a subtle role. So like, just because I got her confirmation, I felt more confident about it. So I just thought it'd be kind of a cool, like, oh, Pedro's in that role. So, so I did, I, I crest, uh, Sam as well. Sam Loomis, by the way, was referenced later in Halloween with the psychiatrist in that movie is named Loomis. Uh, oh, interesting. Yeah. So, and which the movie, which stars Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, Janet Lee's daughter. Uh, so my Sam, I went a different direction because I wanted one of my main actors because of that connection to Halloween uh, to have a connection to another horror movie. And in this case, I went with Daniel Kaluuya, who was the main character in Get Out. Okay. So a diff little bit of a different type, a little bit of a different type. Didn't want, this, didn't want this to be a super, super Caucasian movie when we could uh, <laughs> throw, you know, do, do a little, something a little bit different. You know, get somebody. No, for sure. Yeah. So who's, who do you, you said Milton you had as well? Uh, so, yeah, let's do, yeah, I guess we'll do Milton next. Milton, you may, you may smile or laugh at this. But I think it works. Uh, I don't know. I kind of see him in this type of role nowadays as uh, Ray Liotta. Okay. Uh, I kind of see Ray Liotta as a kind of like old detective trying to figure things out, what's happening here, and then shock, he gets killed. Um, I could see it happening. So yeah. I kind of I went with Liotta. So, yeah, Liotta is, is Arbogast. I like that one. I did not cast Arbogast. Let's go with Lila next. Who's you have for Lila? Lila, I went with Michelle Williams. Okay. 
Um, I see, I've seen her in plenty of things where she just goes kind of berserk, like a very emotional person. I could see her being frantic, like trying to find her sister. Um, and I think Michelle Williams is beautiful, but I picked somebody who I thought is even more beautiful as her sister, just because I think that works well in the movie, the way it works, you know, how, how it's set up. But uh, yeah, Michelle Williams. So I went a little bit younger uh, for my Lila, and I had Lily Reinhardt, who okay. plays, plays Betty on Riverdale. Uh, have you ever seen that show? No, I don't think I know She's, um, yeah, Google her. She, she has that, you know, sort of Hitchcock blonde look. And I cast that a lot on, I, I like her as an actress, and I think she could easily be the sister of the person I cast as Marion. So we'll get to that, though. So she looks, you know, she looks like she looks kind of like a, who's that actress who died in the 90s or like the early 2000s? Oh, uh, Brittany, uh, Brittany Murphy. Brittany Murphy. Like Brittany Murphy. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. I could see yeah. that. She's those eyes. Yeah, definitely the eyes. Yeah. All right. So let's, let's go next with, do you want to do Marion or Norman next? So we'll do Marion next. Okay. Um, my Marion Crane. Uh, I wanted to pick somebody who has an innocent look, but also very beautiful. So, yeah. you know, she just looks like, when she does die, it's very horrific because you just don't yeah. want her to die. I went with Amanda Seyfried. Okay. Um, yeah. Here. And I thought it'd be kind of cool because I, I kind of, Michelle Williams and her have that kind of, they, they could maybe have a similar look in a yeah. way, both maybe kind of blonde and stuff. And Amanda Seyfried, she, I could just see her in the beginning, like with the guy and kind of stealing the money and like, you, you're kind of rooting for her, but kind of like yeah. nervous for her. It, it's, I kind of like that. Yep. I see that. So with my Marion, my, my logic here is I wanted to really pick someone who you think is going to be carrying this movie for the entire movie. Mm-hmm. And you're going to believe that this woman is your main character in a, a big movie. I'm, I'm casting this in a world where the movie never came out. Okay. Uh, and I want this to be like a shock when this actress is killed. So I went with Margot Robbie. Okay, I, I don't know why, but I thought you were going to say Amelia Clark. <laughs> no, but, uh, because she's she's not a huge movie star. She's a big star, yeah, but she's, she's TV. But yeah, I think I think Margot Robbie would be the way to go because she has that like, you know, that Harley Quinn. Like she has that you know the stardom from that, and she has like the kind of Bonnie without Clyde kind of thing going on. So you plus can, she didn't she didn't get what she was supposed to get in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So. That's true. This is uh, a <laughs> this one's for, for for Manson. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, this one's for Manson. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's I think that good. Who do you have for? And this this could be really interesting. Who do you have for Norman Bates? So I was sitting with Gia and she was watching me do this, and I was stuck on him for a while, and we were going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. It's a tough role. It's a tough role to yeah, cast. Yeah, it is a yeah. tough role, but. There is an actor who I believe started off as someone who I was like, oh God, he picks the worst stuff to be in or stuff like that. And then I started a movie with him in it and I was blown the fuck away. And I now think that he's a phenomenal actor. I can't wait to see what he, what he does in the future. I think Robert Pattinson would be dynamite yeah. in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Pattinson's a great, I think he's great. I can't wait to see his Batman. That's, that's a very good choice. For Norman, I went in a, a little bit of a younger direction because I wanted to Norman to be very sort of unassuming, mm-hmm. you know, and I think he's supposed to be younger anyway. Like, I, I don't think you're supposed to really consider him and, and the, as, a, as, as a character as like a killer, even though he's kind yeah. of weird. So I, the, I was like, let me get somebody in there who is somebody who could, who could, really make the role his own. I think he's a, he's a great actor. He's a great young actor, but he's kind of getting, he's getting to that like early twenties where the roles he's going to be getting are, you know, more adult coming for more, you know, you know, as, as an older characters. And I went with Timothy Chalamet as Norman Bates, okay. because I think he's, he says he like, I, but I, I would, the way I would do it, I would almost have him be more charming than awkward. I'd have his like awkward moments and his weird like hobbies and stuff. So you do plant that seed, but I think uh, I think that would I think that would really work. Yeah, he has the face. He has the the definite face of being this like innocent, yeah, charming sort of. Uh, and I'm seeing right now on IMDb, is he supposed to be playing Bob Dylan on a movie? I hadn't read that. 
Okay. But, you know, there's, he, a, there's a, there's a side-by-side with him and Bob Dylan, so I'm wondering. I think... I yes, think yes. Dil- it's, called, it's, called, it's called Going Electric. He's playing Bob Dylan. I think that it's it's now in Hollywood, you know, Bob Dylan's like Hamlet. Every actor and actress has to play Bob Dylan now. Right, right. Joe Pesci. Yep. Pesci um, is, is Dylan. I'd, I'd love it. He'd have to, he'd have to, sing, what, he'd have to sing worse than his, his actual skill at singing. What do you think about uh, Tom Holland? I actually thought of Tom Holland, but I think he still comes off as too young. I think it's like yeah. he's, he's still – maybe I'm just thinking – I have to see him in other stuff other than him being Spider-Man. Have you seen that movie on Netflix? It was like the number one movie on Netflix for a while. It was like him and Robert Pattinson, the, the no. devil all the time. No, no. Uh, he not. was like this like Southern kid who like grew up hard and he was like dropping a lot of F-bombs. Totally different than Peter Parker. Yeah. Um, so yeah, pretty good. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure he could do it, but I, I and I, I think probably, honestly, those two, uh, I think him and Chalamet are probably going to be fighting over parts in the next few years. Wouldn't surprise me yeah. at all. So yeah, I could I could definitely see that, but just for me, I think is at this point he skews a little too young in my head. Mm-hmm. So let's go to the Twitter follow of the week, and this one is another one where it's I just went through the layup here at Alfred Hitchcock, the uh, the official Twitter account of the Hitchcock Estate, which is uh, very interested in i guess eminem sampled the the score of psycho in a song pretty recently so interesting they were they were very excited about that on the uh, on that twitter feed so follow that check it out uh and follow us on social media as well uh if you'd like to follow us on twitter we are at great movie cast we are the greatest movie of all time podcast on facebook and our g- email address is greatest at gmail.com as always we would love to hear from you so sure. let's talk about what this movie does better than any other. So I had, I think this is probably the best shock death in a, in a movie. Hmm. You know, like what are the other, you have Drew Barrymore in, in Scream. You have, I, he, and I'm going to say, I think the scene on the rooftop in the elevator in The Departed I was just about is to say that. Very I was like, close to it, but how because can it happened. Yeah, but because it happens so close to the end of the movie, it doesn't have as great a like it's not as consequential to the movie, you know? It doesn't like yeah. change the course of how the movie goes necessarily for, for very long. So that's that I think is maybe the its biggest competition for pure hilarity, Sam Jackson being eaten by a shark in deep blue sea is hilarious. Yes. But uh, I think I think this has to get it just because of how the sequence of the murder is composed. First of all, just how how much it left its imprint on the cultural consciousness. Yeah, yeah, good, good call. All right, so, what do you have, Derek? What does Psycho do better than any other movie? Uh, this was really tough for me. I was trying to find a good answer for this. Uh, I don't know how well I do with this one, but uh, the one thing I did notice is that. I feel like Hitchcock is really, really good at like making, making a set or a room look like it's almost like it's its own character. Yep. Um, and that room in the back behind the front desk of the motel where they eat their sandwiches with all the different birds, uh, the bird paintings, there's, there's, all, there's uh, more than just weird bird paintings. There's like weird, like, you know, uh, Renaissance painting where like somebody's like in, in anguish um there's there's that that hovering owl it the the room itself feels like a character of its own this like this 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 dark uh presence about it and stuff so i i think that uh there's not a lot of other movies i could think of i mean there's a lot of things that uh, scenes in movies where i think that that they're just as good maybe but uh, this really caught me off guard at how well this was done so i think this does pretty well in that category he really does give you everything you need to know about norman just by looking at the room and just by looking it's and it it just he's it makes you uneasy about him even if he wasn't so fucking twitchy you know he's like he's i i it's you're you're absolutely right about that so let's uh let's talk about the oscars it took place in 1961 uh 1961 and it was for movies in 1960 i'm glad that we uh we got the the best 
I'm glad we got the right link here. Uh, so no, the uh, 1961 Oscars uh, for movies released in 1960. All right, so uh, Psycho is nominated, uh, does not win any, but is norm- nominated for four Oscars, uh, Best Director, Best Supporting Actress, Art Direction, and Cinematography. So let's go over the, uh, the major categories here. So Best Picture was won by The Apartment, which is a great movie. Other nominees are The Alamo, Elmer Gantry, Sons and Lovers, and The Sundowners. I've only seen The Apartment of these. Uh, I think that Psycho should probably go in just because of the, the cultural impact it's had. We have, to, we have to go back and we have to reward that with the Best Picture nomination. And honestly, I mean, just the fact that this movie is called Elmer Gantry, I think it needs to go. So, sorry, Elmer. Once we are aged and have gotten to this movie, maybe we'll change our mind. So Best Director, Billy Wilder wins for The Apartment. Well-deserved win. Other nominees are our guy, Alfred Hitchcock for Psycho, uh, Jules Dassin uh, for Never on Sunday, Jack Cardiff in Sons and Lovers, and Fred Zinneman in the Sunda- for The Sundowners. Tough to argue with Billy Wilder. It really is. He's, he's an all-time great director. These are two like absolute titans of, of directing here. I, I'm going to punt on this one. We'll do, we will do an episode on The Apartment uh, eventually, you know, probably, probably relatively soon compared to any other movie uh, that we've mentioned so far in the Oscars here. Yeah, let's let's keep it as is for now. But okay. I uh, will. Th- this is definitely one to revisit. So, best actor uh, is won by Burt Lancaster for Elmer Gantry as Elmer Gantry. <laughs> Bastard. Bastard. Son of Elmer. Trevor Howard nominated for Sons and Lovers. Jack Lemmon in The Apartments. Lawrence Olivier in The Entertainer. And Spencer Tracy in Inherit the Wind. Do we want to? put Anthony Perkins in there. I think he deserves to be in there, sure. Not gonna I'm not gonna disrespect Lawrence Olivier or Spencer Tracy by knocking them out or Jack Lemon. So Trevor well, Howard. I, I honestly I'll say well Burt Lancaster, I mean we, 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 we bumped him in the past, I'm pretty sure. Well we should we should we should hang on to him then. We don't want to destroy his entire career. <laughs> uh so let's 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 keep him in there. But let's Trevor Howard, I'm sorry. Sons and lovers. And kicked out of the uh, kicked out of the Oscars this year. Yeah. Sorry about that, buddy. Janet Lee is actually nominated as supporting actress. So with I mean, her, with she's, her a, being, she's in almost every scene in the movie before she dies. Yeah, I, I but I think we we respect that she's in she is in supporting actress. So let's let's not move her here. So I don't think anyone else is going to qualify there. And uh, best actress this year is won by the way by Elizabeth Taylor in Butterfield wow. 8. <laughs> yeah. Butterfield 8. Uh, which is a phone extension. That's what it comes... Yeah, that's, that's exactly what that is. Connect me to Butterfield 8, please. So, supporting actor. There's no nominations. I don't think we can... I don't think there's anyone there who's going who's gonna to be, uh, be nominated there for, for Psycho. Best supporting actress. Like we said, Janet Lee's nomination does not win. Shirley Jones wins for, you guessed it, Elmer Gantry. Oh, man. Yep. Uh, fucking Elmer has, 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 has ruined us. Uh, if this movie's not above a 7.5 on IMDb, I don't even know what to say. Let's see. We're, we're gonna, yeah, let's check. 7.8, okay. 7.8. <sighs> Elmer. <laughs> she plays a character named Lulu Baines. Other nominees are Glynis Johns in The Sundowners, Shirley Knight in Dark at the Top of the Stairs, and Mary, I think, Yuri, U-R-E is how you spell that last name, uh, for Sons and Lovers. So I have not seen Elmer Gantry, but I'm going to say just for the, for the iconography of Psycho, I mean, it's, I think, yeah, we, we, I think we should bump her up to winner. Yeah. So let's let's do it. Wasn't Shirley Jones in the Partridge family? Yeah, she was. She was the, the, yeah, the mother. She was. Oscar winner, okay. Shirley Jones. Imagine. She was also in Grandma's Boy. That she was. That she was. 
So let's look at the other category that I think we need to talk about. And that is score. At the Oscars at this point, there were actually two categories for for score. There's best music score of a dramatic or comedy picture. Oh, and then best scoring of a musical picture. So this is uh, this would be score of a dramatic or comedy picture. Mm-hmm. It's won by we called Exodus. The other nominees are Elmer Gantry, of course. Keep keeps popping up here. The Magnificent Seven and. Ooh. Good, and good Spartacus. Mm. Listen, uh, Elmer. Damn, it's the... and, and oh, and the the Alamo as well. Uh, the mm-hmm. Alamo's on there. So Elmer. I don't know. Damn Elmer. Do we do we uh, knock out Elmer again, or do we knock out the Alamo? Let's go to the Alamo. Alamo. I. You know what? I don't even remember the Alamo. It's out. <laughs> That has been psycho. That's been the Oscars. There's only one thing left to do. And Derek, that is the most important part of the podcast that we do each week. It's where I'm going to put 30 seconds on the clock. And you're going to tell us why psycho is the greatest movie of all time. Are you ready? Never too bad. So I'm going to count you down. And when I say go, you go. Three, two, one, go. The 1960 Alfred Hitchcock classic. Can can you even imagine you growing up, because I'm assuming you're really old listening to this, and you went to go see this movie in theaters, Psycho, and the main character gets killed less than halfway through the film. What was your reaction? Did you vomit in the theater? I want to know. This movie's iconic. This movie's incredible. It's very scary. It's horrific. It's got to be one of the greatest horror movies of all that time. That is time. Beautiful. I have nothing else to say. All really. right, good. So that was Psycho. We hope you enjoyed today's episode, this week's episode. Um, we're happy to have you listen, and we hope you go back and check out our other episodes as well. Don't have to listen to them in any order whatsoever. Just pick which one you want and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Uh, we uh, and, and let us know and talk to us. We'd love to hear from you, like we said. Let's talk about next week, though. And next week, we have a special guest. And that special guest is going to be my brother, Anthony Barrasso. And he has chosen for our Valentine's Week episode a very appropriate movie. Uh, And that is 500 Days of Summer. So that is going to be quite the episode. I'm looking forward to it. Same here. Can't wait, can't wait to have him on. Yep. This is, Derek, this is a movie that the first time I saw it, I was with you. We watched it together? We watched it together. We were talking about it. I had not seen it, and you had the DVD, and it was, we, you, we put it in, and we watched it. That, that, okay, so that memory of my life, it just literally was just gone forever, and then you just created another moment in my life that I had forgotten. Yep. Your, uh, your Warhammer was hanging over the TV. And we, uh, we, we watched 500 Days of Summer, you, me, wow. Gia, and Jen. So that's, uh, that's for next week. Uh, can't wait to have Anthony on. It's going to be a fun one. Again, want to thank you so much for, for listening here. For the show, I have been your co-host, Rick Barrasso. And I have been your co-host, Barrasso Rick. No, you're Rick Smith. That's uh, true. I am Rick Smith. This has been Psycho in the Greatest Move of All Time podcast. Keep watching, everybody. See you next week.